Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is Wednesday of the 28th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. May your grace, O Lord, we pray, at all times go before us and follow after, and make us always determined to carry out good works. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. If you are led by the Spirit, no law can touch you. When self-indulgence is at work, the results are obvious. Fornication, gross indecency, and sexual irresponsibility. Idolatry and sorcery. Feuds and wrangling. Jealousy, bad temper and quarrels. Disagreements, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and similar things. I warn you now, as I warned you before, those who behave like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What the Spirit brings is very different. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, trustfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There can be no law against things like that, of course. You cannot belong to Christ Jesus unless you crucify all self-indulgent passions and desires. Since the Spirit is our life, let us be directed by the Spirit. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners, but whose delight is the law of the Lord, and who ponders his law day and night. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. He is like a tree that is planted beside the flowing waters, that yields its fruit in due season, and whose leaves shall never fade. 
and all that he does shall prosper. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Not so are the wicked not so, for they, like winnowed chaff, shall be driven away by the wind. For the Lord guards the way of the just, but the way of the wicked leads to doom. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Alleluia, alleluia. My sheep listen to my voice, says the Lord. I know them and they follow me. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The Lord said to the Pharisees, Alas for you Pharisees, you who pay your tithe of mint and rue and all sorts of garden herbs, and overlook justice and the love of God. These you should have practised without leaving the others undone. Alas for you Pharisees, who are taking the seats of honour in the synagogues and being greeted obsequiously in the market squares. Alas for you, because you are like the unmarked tombs that men walk on without knowing it. A lawyer then spoke up. Master, he said, when you speak like this, you insult us too. Alas for you lawyers also, he replied, because you load on men burdens that are unendurable, burdens that you yourselves do not move a finger to lift. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I must say, this gospel does make me laugh. The lawyer speaks up and says, Master, when you speak like this, you insult us too. You can almost hear Jesus say, Mate, I'm okay with that. I tell you what, I hope his boss didn't hear him ask that question, because I reckon he would have lost his job as a lawyer. Talk about leading with your chin. Lord, lay off the Pharisees, because the way that you're speaking makes it sound like we, the innocent lawyers, that, that we're like that too. This guy has just proven Jesus' point perfectly. He's put on display his blindness. You clearly don't get it. The very thing which you thought justifies you, which is the law, is the very thing that condemns you. Take a look at the criticisms that Jesus makes of the Pharisees and the lawyers here. He says, Alas for you Pharisees, you who pay your tithe of mint and rue and all sorts of garden herbs and overlook justice and the love of God. Right? Okay, so paying tithes of mint and rue, you know, the tithe, of course, is the 10% that you offer to God of what you have. So, you know, if you're growing some garden herbs, taking 10% of that... Like, you're being very minute. You're being very exacting. You can imagine having a small plant and counting the leaves and going, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That one's for God. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That one's for God. And, you know, while you're going through this process, being very content and very self-congratulatory for the fact that you're being so careful and precise with the law in being faithful to God. Hey, you get a load of this. I pay my tithes not just on the big stuff, but even on the little stuff. Now, fair enough, you're supposed to pay a tithe on the little stuff. You shouldn't have left these things undone. But there's a danger here. These tithes are giving them a false sense of security. That if I've done the little stuff, therefore, I've completed the big stuff too. 
But no. In fact, this tithe actually masks the fact that you've overlooked the essence, justice and the love of God. Jesus then talks about the Pharisees wanting to take these seats of honour in the synagogues and being greeted obsequiously in the market squares. This is all about their personal reputation, right? Clearly, they think themselves admirable and are therefore willing to receive people's admiration. But instead, Jesus says you're like unmarked tombs that men walk on without knowing it. In Jewish culture, to come in contact with a tomb would render one ritually impure. Now, if you have an unmarked tomb, then you're actually made ritually impure without knowing it. Because the tomb wasn't pointed out as being a place of uncleanliness. Well, Jesus says, you Pharisees, you are the ones who are making people unclean and they don't even know it because of your corruption. Tombs are marked so that people could avoid them, but you are unmarked and people don't avoid you and you make them unclean. Let's face it, Jesus is giving them both barrels of the gun. And I think if I were to try and summarise what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and then look, let's face it, by extension also to us, I think it'd be something along these lines. People, religion is dangerous. Now, that might sound strange coming from Jesus, but his greatest praise is for people of faith. Remember the woman with the hemorrhage? Jesus says, go, your faith has saved you. Remember the Roman centurion who asks Jesus to, you know, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And and Jesus says, I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. Faith is the key that unlocks extraordinary power. But faith is also one of the most dangerous things because it can cause such a prideful blindness so as to become almost impenetrable. They used the law, which was there in order to establish right relationship with God, as the very means by which they justify themselves. And not only that, the law also becomes the way by which they condemn others and justify themselves. I mean, this is the problem of the lawyers. They load men with burdens that are unendurable, but don't move a finger to lift them, as if the law made no obligation on them to help. While you're counting out your tithes of mint and rue, you are leaving the weightier matters of the law undone, justice and the love of God. So here's the thing. If religion has allowed you to overlook justice and allowed you to overlook the love of God, what has it become? Pure self-justification. The very thing that was supposed to save you has become the blindfold around your eyes. Do you remember the controversy that Jesus has with the Pharisees after the healing of the man born blind? The Pharisees, in a, in a real spirit of indignation, say to him, what, <laughs> are we blind too? And, and in a stinging remark, he says, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But because you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. And this is why religion is dangerous. Because it makes you think that you can see when in fact you're blind. It makes you think that you are innocent when in fact you're guilty. Now, how are you doing out there? Feeling uncomfortable? Yeah, me too. 
The faithful earn from Jesus the greatest praise, but the Pharisees earn the greatest criticism. So the sheer fact of being religious isn't the thing that makes us just. We can't simply rest secure in the fact that we go to Mass on Sundays or that we pray the Rosary. That's not enough, because it turns out that you can pay your tithes of mint and dill and still be an unmarked tomb, still be dead on the inside. We can give the outward appearances of praying, but in fact, we could just be talking to ourselves. Now, remember who the Pharisees are. They're kind of the professional religious. So the criticism that Jesus makes of the Pharisees is criticism that we all need to take on board as the ones who are striving to be faithful, right? From the Pope down, clergy, religious, and laity alike, we all have this danger of being a bunch of Pharisees. We can all easily fall into the trap of being locked in our own self-justification. So what does Jesus say? He says, right, you pay your He says, right, you pay your tithe of mint and rue and all sorts of garden herbs, but overlook justice and the love of God. Alright. Jesus puts their focus on what they've left undone. Well, this is what we would call today sins of omission. Not the things that you've done, the things that you didn't do. How easy it is for us to hide behind our righteous practices. And to ignore the fact that there are a whole bunch of things that I could have done but didn't. Maybe that's where we need to rest for a moment. To allow that to weigh upon us. Lord, what are the acts of justice that I left undone? Where has my love of you actually been an illusion? Jesus makes a very painful point to the Pharisees. Justice and the love of God, these you have overlooked. Love of God and love of neighbour. There is the essence. You can do all the things on the edges, but if you miss the essence, you've missed everything. So there's the question for us. Do I actually love God? Does our faithfulness to him shape the way that we live our life? And as a consequence, do we love one another? There's no external religious practice that can substitute for that. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, 
and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father. Amen.